0: Hey, you beautiful fucks, this is episode 14 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm Will, a manic-depressive millennial flailing at the precipice of existential angst. (laughs) Hey, guys, how you doing? I hope all's well with y'all. Springs in full force up here in the Pacific Northwest, those fucking cherry blossoms pop against the dreary-ass clouds. I've been working on, um getting better at archery lately, reading this book, uh, Shooting Back Tension. It's pretty intense. Um, I found it interesting that in the process of learning archery, I started learning more about other things. Like jujitsu, for instance, Um, when I'm rolling and I get into a panic state, I learn to overcome that panic, I guess, with greater ease. Because in archery, it's kind of the same thing. When I'm looking at a target and I don't want to tense, I want to maintain my cool and focus only on the target and not freak out or succumb to anxiety. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I feel like I strengthen the observer within me, the ability to to detach from those feelings. And it's helped me in a lot of things, even in my relationships as well and communicating with other people um anyways it's pretty cool so really good book to check out I completely forget the author's name but yeah shooting with back tension and if you guys would like just drop a comment and let me know what you're working on in this episode levi shows us what it is to be curious and follow that curiosity through until the end levi works for liberty lotion a company that makes uh, topical topical tincture cbd products and for the for the uninitiated CBD is com- a completely non psychoactive compound and legal that is legal in the United States, Canada, and many other countries that is intended to relieve pain and is in incredible antioxidant. I was really surprised by the effects of uh, CBD in general from a lot of the products that I've tried and even some of the home stuff that have been made with like CBD oils um, I was always skeptical of it, only slightly though, because I understood like the effects of weed since I smoked weed for a, um, for a while. But I didn't think they were that powerful. So I thought Levi would be the perfect person to kind of explore what CBDs are and also how him and his brothers started the company and what happiness means to Levi. They also talk about what it's like to overcome the anxiety of not being able to do it or uh, starting from scratch as well, not having someone to kind of lay out the road for him, just hustling, just trying to figure it out. And it really resonated with me. I hope it resonates with you guys. You, and if you like, you can check out Liberty Lotion at libertylotion.com and follow them on social media. But before we begin, here's a song with a living arrow. called I'm Not My Thoughts. Thank you, you fucks.
1: Company called Liberty Lotion. We make uh, pain le- pain relief products um, from uh, hemp and uh, uh, cannabinoidic ingredients. Um, we're currently held in over three hundred locations in the United States and
0: four countries. Heck yeah! That's wow. And so, you guys, uh, you guys have some pretty cool lotion with the CBD stuff. Cause that's I've never really. Before moving to Washington, I didn't really have any idea about uh, CBD. So what kind of got you started on, I guess, opening this kind of company?
1: Well, um, it was a little bit of a tragic story, ironically enough. Um, I, was, uh, I was a salesman, and I was very good at it, um, but unfortunately, I had some personal stuff go on, and in one week, I lost my job, my house, my kids, and um, my, my wife as well. It was, pretty, uh, it was a brutal week. It would be really brutal. It was a brutal week indeed. Um, and then for the next six months, I uh, just kind of blew through my savings and just kind of was recluse. Um, and uh, my brother had uh, had made this uh, pot cream. What uh, was mm-hmm. what we called it in the family was pot cream. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so he, um, he had been trying to get the business off the ground for probably about a year only ever really had five customers or something like that. Yeah. Um he just completely lacked the ability to talk to other human beings. He would oh. he would just shut down immediately. And uh anyways after uh, I'd lost my job I ended up moving in with him and uh so me and him were spending a lot of time together and uh you know he kept saying, you know, hey, do you want to do you want to come and you know help me start this business? And you know at first I was thinking, uh, no, definitely not. It's lotion, and you know it seemed yeah. like a giant failure to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's and it was pot cream, and so anyways, a couple a uh, couple months went by, and I got a job offer from a investment firm uh, for making. Uh, they offered me a hundred thousand dollars a year salary. And, um, I think it was like a 6% commission or something like that. It was a lot of money. Uh it was, it was good. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I was, uh, I wasn't happy about it though. I was like, I was like, ah, you know, go yeah. back to the grind, get back into the office, call people, lie to them,
0: you know. So it's something that you never really were uh, comfortable or satisfied with doing? No, no, I, I pretty much hated it. Um, I mean, I was good at it and I definitely <laughs> pretended to like
1: it, but I, I definitely didn't. Um, and so anyways, uh, Sam, uh, my brother, um, he had made a, a batch of lotion and, uh, and said, you know, hey, come, come and help me out. And so he had just redone the formula to much closer to what Liberty Lotion is today. Back then it was actually like, back in the early days, it was green. Oh, really? And it was nasty oh, stuff. Yeah, that would be it. a hard sell, man. <laughs> it was hard sell. Yeah. <gasps> so he redesigned it uh, so it was more like uh, it was more like a whitish brown color. Mm. I see. And
0: uh and was that during um when Washington started legalizing or was that prior to legalization? Well, long after. We yeah, were actually uh-huh. we we opened about about a year
1: uh maybe maybe a year and a half before the legalization mm-hmm. for recreational marijuana. So we were very late to the game of um of topicals for sure. Yes. And so anyways, um um we uh so we made a batch of lotion, and um, we went out, and we had these awful labels with this guy, the lightning bolt. Thing. Oh, really? Yeah, it looked, it was like Zeus a, kind it of it was Exactly, like Zeus, with <laughs> the pot, pot leaves on the Oh, head. really? Yeah. <laughs> it was corny. I mean, it was the corniest thing I think we could have ever came up with. Everything starts off with all <laughs> bad Um man. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's what it is. So we went out, and... Um, we hit up uh, the, all the medical marijuana dispensaries in Skagit County and Whatcom County, and on our first day, we made twenty five hundred dollars.
0: So you see, so you made these the product, and you just uh, threw it in bottles that I assume you bought online from the, you know manufacturer. Yeah, and you just went straight to the dispensary and asked them if they wanted to buy this product. Well, I didn't ask them. Oh. I, I'm a very good salesman, like oh, okay. I said before. Okay. Exactly.
1: Uh, so, I, I, I mean, I tricked them into it for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and it was mm-hmm. like it, it was like taking candy from a baby. And, These guys didn't know what they were doing.
0: And see, and that's what I think a, a common struggle with a lot of people is, uh, or, yeah, a lot of people, uh, is that initial start. It's like, I'm just making things and I'm a normal person. I'm not a business or... You know, so on and so forth. They've been doing this forever. Yeah. Um. In that takeoff moment where it's kind of like you're bullshitting your way there, but you're not at the same time. You you know, you're confident. You're being confident in what you have, believing that people will want this. You know, that first day we went out, I was anything but confident. Yeah. No. (laughs) Um. But definitely. You know. That's what I think is (laughs) important because a lot of people will see successful. People who start businesses or who make art and create bodies of work, they're like, wow, those people are very courageous. Those people, or no, those people are very confident, rather, Um, or lucky. And none of that generally is the case in my experience from talking to people. I find that they're courageous, not confident. Scared shitless, but they do it anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was... uh You know, it was a test. um, Mm -hmm. I I would say first and foremost was because I mean, like, if I couldn't make money doing it, you know, I wouldn't have for sure. Exactly. But um, you know, the biggest thing is to a don't go get a business license on your first day. That's a a moronic move. So, what you would start getting off or start running on the ground? Get sales. Yeah, you need you need sales. You you need you need to generate revenue in Mm -hmm. order to uh, before you invest money in something, you should be able to make money doing it. Not even a lot, some. You need to prove um, that That's what you're working with is at least viable, somewhat, at least a minimum amount of sales, something. Um You know, people are interested in it. You know, you have to have something other than, I have a great idea, so I'm going to go get a business license and spend all this money getting, you know, renting a place and, and buying, you know, um, buying inventory and doing all this stuff. That's, that's a recipe for failure right there. Yes. Um, the best thing to do is to start with very little money to no money and, um, use the the revenue you generate from being successful to grow your business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Testing
0: the market, essentially.
1: Yeah, correct, correct. And, um, you know, we were in a tough place, too, in the beginning because, um, like I said, we were very late to the medical marijuana game. Mm-hmm. And the topical market was considered, A, a joke because there were no topicals that worked. Um, um, they, they were like, meh, they were kind of like a... a, a They were a joke. Uh, People didn't believe they worked at all. Really? Yeah, they did. They didn't believe they worked at all. They thought they thought it was stupid. I can understand that because seeing as CBD wasn't like a a house name. Actually, I'm talking THC. Oh, THC. really we
0: weren't even a CBD company at this time. We Uh were using THC oil. Oh, so you were doing THC cream? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: why we called it pot cream because it truly was pot cream. And uh, anyways, when we got in the market, um, yeah, no one, no one, no one believed in topicals at all. Um our competitors had destroyed that sector of the medical marijuana business entirely. Also
0: because they were putting out quality that was inferior? Or
1: yeah, they didn't their have products? They, their products didn't work. And so people would buy them once and then never buy them again. So these shops would go around and they, they would get these huge stocks of lotion because there was a company called Kush Creams. They had very beautiful women um, that were yeah. running their sales team. And so these women women would come in and bat their eyelashes and, peop- and, and, and the men would buy a shitload of cream. Really? Yeah, yeah. That was oh. That was how it worked. So um, all these business owners were very anti um, uh, topicals because they had a, a large amount of them. They weren't selling. Uh, people would come in and buy one and then never come back and buy a second one. And it was uh, we were at at an extreme disadvantage. They had two years on us, two or three years of building customers,
2: oh.
1: um, and um, and <clears throat> quote loyalty um, among among. Yeah among these among these people. So it was, uh, we, we. everything was stacked against us. In fact, all of our friends and family told us we were absolutely stupid to get in this industry and that even if we had a good product that would work, um, that it would be impossible to get it off the ground because no one had confidence in topicals at all mm-hmm. and our competitors owned 100% of the, mar- the market already and there was no way uh, shops were going to have, you know, they, they have, you know, $2,000 invested in this kush cream stuff. Why are they going to buy yours, a competitor and make it so they, so it's even more difficult to sell through their stuff. And they have
0: so much inventory space. I've noticed all these buildings are small. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that was because that's what they can do or if that was by choice, but
1: It, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was difficult. So we went out on our first day and, um, I, I I just I just outright tricked people into buying it. I did because I, I knew we didn't have a brand. We didn't have we didn't have anything that was was worth anything to them. We knew the product worked better than anything else out there, but no one was going to take our word for it. So I went out there and I used uh, cheap <laughs> used car salesman gimmicks and uh, and sold it um, cool. and, and a lot of it. So we did we did twenty five hundred dollars. Um, the first week. Now, that wasn't the most important thing. That gave me a slight proof of concept that the product could be sold, but mm-hmm. the next thing we needed to know was the sell-through rate. In other words, how quickly would customers come purchase the Liberty Lotion and then use it and come back and I'll buy see. another bottle? So
0: almost do you
1: understand it. the value of me customer right? right yeah that was the most important thing oh, yeah right. hands down the the store was was just a avenue to get to customers mm-hmm. it, they were irrelevant and quite frankly didn't know anything about science or how it worked so and your numbers
0: too if you saw how many customers bought your product it would be hard to discern any um what is it any ideas from it if you didn't understand how often a customer was returning to your product oh I exactly see how that well and we did something very different too instead of selling
1: uh, well, first of all, here's the other giant hurdle that we had to jump over. Our competitors were selling their creams. It was four ounces for $20, and they were considered way overpriced.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said to my brother, I said, if you want to make a good product, um, to charge $20 is an insult to it. Not only that, if you want to make the truly the best product on the planet Earth, you need to spend money. You know you can't you can't just sit around. So um, we decided to come in the market at $120 for a four ounce bottle. Mm-hmm. So they're selling theirs for 20. We're selling ours for 120. How did that affect your <laughs> your, your sales? sales? People laughed at us at 1st They're like, I had so many people say, "You can't sell a bottle of lotion for $120." I said, "You know, um, yeah, that's that's what everyone said to uh, the founder of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You know, so you say that." But let's see what happens. So in order to sell um, $120 worth of lotion in one single bottle, um, I had to to give it value, right? So what we did was we did something brand new in the industry no one had ever tried before. Mm -hmm. We made these little travel sizes. There's just a little bit of lotion in there, very little, very cheap. And we sold those for $4.99. And we gave them away like candy. We Mm -hmm. just gave them away for free all the time. And my idea was this. Um, I can't test my sell-through rate on a four-ounce bottle because it takes a long time to use a four-ounce bottle because the product's so good, right? Mm-hmm. So we sold a large quantity of these travel size. And the idea was how many people were going to buy one travel size and then come back and buy a one, two, or four-ounce bottle. I see. And the numbers were staggering. Um, and and that, that's, that's when we decided to actually open the business. So the first week, we did 2500 $2,500. Um, in, in a zone in, in, in one zone most of that was travel size and back then to make a travel size was brutal oh I bet it was and individual oh, gravity yeah. pour, it was a nightmare um, but the next week in the same stores in the same stores they had sold through all of our stock and most of that that selling through the stock was repeat customers people coming Ooh. in buying a travel size and then coming back and wanting a 4 ounce bottle for $120 uh-huh.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And so we made a buttload of of the four-ounce bottles, a bunch of the two-ounce bottles. Actually, no. At that time, we didn't even have two-ounce bottles. We only had one in four-ounce bottles. And they were just flying
0: off the shelf. I see how that price point would lend you credibility, too. Because when generally, when you look at, especially things with like THC or CBD in them, um, if I see something that is cheaper than the average then I'm like oh that probably is lackluster has you know only a little bit but if I see it over I definitely know that that contains some you know what I mean high levels of THC like I believe them lends you credibility
1: yeah we, we also created a topical compare sheet where we lab tested all of our competitors um, uh, lotions for C, uh, for THC content mm-hmm. and, um, and then we put ours right next to it and we were Ten times plus every one of our competitors, and and so, you know they're charging they're charging twenty dollars, and you know there's five milligrams in the bottle, and I'm charging you know a hundred and twenty dollars, but mine's got a thousand milligrams in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a much better deal. Yes, and so yeah, people recognize that, and again the product worked, and that was what I wanted to see. I wanted to see pe- real live people who had never seen the brand, and again the brand was awful. Lightning mm-hmm. bolt. Jesus, buff wannabe. It was awful. Um, and so people come in and they, they kept purchasing, kept purchasing. And uh, I looked at my brother and said, yeah, we got something. We got something here. We can do this. And within three months, we were in every single medical dispensary in the state of Washington.
0: Holy wow. So let me get this straight. So from the start of you peddling it to you know dispensary testing your market, and three months later the entire dispensary in washington yeah and we were
1: we were out our competitors so righteously it wasn't even funny it wasn't even competition um, quite frankly I mean we went we went from zero worth nothing with a with a horrible brand and, and everything going against us to um, again the biggest the biggest topical company in the state of Washington without without a doubt within three months and and people were blown away because we were I'm not just talking like we we're in most dispensaries. We're in mm-hmm. every single dispensary in the state of Washington. That includes the one way out in in uh, the backwoods, you know, in between, you know, like up in the mountains, you know, uh, Down Eastern center. Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was an impressive growth spurt. But you know, we we did put a lot of hours in to do that. You know, it wasn't I mean, it, yeah. we drove around this. This freaking 1985 Buick. Oh, really? And it had broken, it had uh, it had broken windows, so the windows wouldn't roll down. Oh, god! It was the summertime, so it was really brutal. Oh. Yeah, no AC. Was Ugh, it, was it just a, you and your brother at yeah, that time? Just me and my bro. Wow. Yeah, just pumping through it. Um, and then, uh, and then we hired, uh, um, after after probably after <laughs> we had a good proof of concept and we started really closing a ton of dispensaries. I brought a friend of mine in, Joseph, mm-hmm. and he did a very interesting thing for the brand. He ac- absolutely insisted on wearing a suit and a bow tie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy was obsessed with bow ties like you wouldn't believe. bow tie? A bow tie.
0: I don't know, a bow tie. <laughs> yeah. bow tie.
1: Well, cool. you know, when, when I would go, so I had I had, had standards. So when I'd go into a medical dispensary, I was wearing a suit, mm-hmm. period, the end. I wore a suit, and I got a lot of flack for it. They're like, oh, why are you wearing a suit in here? You look like an FBI agent. And Mm so I would walk in and I'd be like, FBI. And then everyone would be like, I'm like, just kidding. Mm -hmm. And that would be a good icebreaker. Um, But Joseph insisted on wearing a vest and a bow tie. And so, um, and he coined the phrase proper gentleman. So that was, that was a huge turning point for our company because um, we weren't salespeople anymore. We were proper gentlemen.
0: Proper gentlemen.
1: Proper gentlemen with bow ties. And, and, you know, we became um, a lot more professional than our counterparts. And um, we uh, then re- rebranded to the brand that you know and love, the, yeah. the, the guy with the ventrifugal man and stuff. <laughs> and um, we uh, we expanded even faster. Um, now, after about six months or so, I uh, started having a feeling that something was wrong with the company. Um, we were doing great, you know, revenues were spiking, everything was was in good in good mojo, but. Five O Two, I Five O Two. The uh, recreational marijuana thing came came to light at that point, and people were gunning for it really hard. What's
0: the so the I Five O Two? Is that when they put like
1: uh, that's recreational marijuana? Oh, uh, I see. Because before it was a medical. It was only
0: medical. Exactly. Oh. So we were
1: only in the medical thing, and so um, I started thinking about it at the time, and I said, you know, I'm I'm very concerned about this Five O Two situation because if they pass this law, in which I believe they were going. They were going to at that time because there were some big names behind it, including um, like uh, like uh, Costco was pro 502. Costco's
0: got their hands deep in all substances. Yeah, they do. Isn't like with the alcohol, right? Wasn't there the yeah, alcohol they, shit that happened. Yeah, they
1: they basically made that go through so single handedly.
0: The, the alcohol stuff for people that for the uninitiated is um, they like lobbied heavily, heavily correctly for the state of Washington. To legalize the sale of liquor in grocery stores. Yep, and they got it, and it's still in place, and everyone knows that that happened. Yep. Okay, that's a tangent. That's fucked. So let's get <laughs> back to the Costco thing, you know, and <laughs> I mean the weed thing, but, in five hundred two. Yeah. So, uh, so, anyways, <laughs> I heard fine.
1: that I heard that through my through my gear, my grapevine that um, it was going to pass, and so uh, I was talking to my brother. I said, you know, we need to we need to change the formula. This isn't working. Oh, and and we had mold, mold apocalypse on top of that. Another wait, mold Moldpocalypse. Mold It was awful. Wait,
0: so so
1: so um, after so after we had closed every single dispensary in the state, um, we had switched over to we wanted to switch over to a CBD formula so we could sell in the general market, mm-hmm. and um, I was convinced. Um, I was the only person that was convinced at the time that CBD was a far better ingredient than THC and everyone said oh you need thc to bind with the cbd to create an effect and i was like you know what there's no science that even remotely says anything it's just like bro that. science so i was like i was like uh i'm calling bullshit and so we went to work me and my my brother we um we uh altered the formula to make it a cbd formula we ditched the thc entirely at, at the time it was really controversial because everyone believed that that cbd was good but meh. Nah. You know, it wasn't like what it is today.
0: Yeah, we it hasn't been uh, used by a lot of people. I I completely understand what that. And so, did you have to use a different a plant that was higher in CBD, or did you just isolate CBD? Um, at that time, I knew
1: nothing of extractions whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I was I knew I knew nothing of science or um, biochemistry uh, at okay. all. So, no, what I ended up having to do was find a source for it and. They charged me more money than I ever thought a person could charge another person for a gram of oil. Oh, I was God. paying for, I was, I was spending around $20,000 a month with them. It was Dama oil. Oh. Um, I was spending about twenty thousand dollars a month with them, and they were charging me um, forty to fifty dollars per gram wholesale.
0: So you guys started out purchasing the oil. Wow, that yeah, was brutal. Fifty, fuck, that's a lot of money.
1: You know, like I said, in order to make the best lotion, you have to have the best ingredients, and at that at that time, that was the best place to get that yeah. ingredient from.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to get a consistent place, correct? Correct, because of the uh, issues with the CO two. Extraction methods with exploding or something like that. I know it was hard to get um, oil in dispensaries. Yeah, yeah.
1: They well they used an in an um, um, alcohol extraction, but
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah.
1: At the at the time I mean they were the best they, they were really the only source for C B D oil high potency. Oh really? See, um, I
0: wasn't here around when it was the Wild West. So. Yeah,
1: it was it was <laughs> it was crazy. And so um so anyways, uh we switched over to the C B D formula shortly thereafter. Um, we had something we called Mold moldpocalypse. Now this almost put us out of business. I'm saying, I'm telling you, it was like ages wow, from putting this out of business. We crunch. had, we had an 80% failure rate in our lotion for about two and a half months, three months. Oh. 80% of our lotion molded within one week. What? It was brutal. Now we didn't use, we only used like what was considered a holistic or natural, um, paraben free, um, Preservatives. Paraben is. Uh... Parabens cause cancer. Oh, they do. Yeah, they're bad. They're they're awful. But they're they're what most people use to preserve products, especially products that are um, beauty, you know, you know, body care and things like that. that. Yeah. So um. So anyways, mold came around. We didn't know what the hell was going on. It just started molding. It had never molded before. We it didn't change any ingredients uh, except for the CBD, but we had that that tested for mold and it passed. And and we were just all this lotion was molding like all the time. It was brutal. So, um, after that, uh, the two people that we had hired basically lost all faith and, and jumped ship. Yeah, they 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 were like, these were good friends of mine, too. Yeah. 20 fucking bucks. That would hurt, man. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. They jumped ship. They're like, this is sinking ship. We're going to go get real jobs. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was paying them better than any job had ever paid them, um, without a doubt. And, uh, so that, that was a little brutal, but, um, my brother was like, we're fucked. <laughs> Everyone thought we were fucked. Um, and I, I just, I was like, um, being fucked is not an option. And so what we did for the next two months was we replaced every single bottle of lotion that went bad. And it cost us uh, so much money. It was stupid. Uh, again, really? Yeah, it was really bad. I went to doctors. I went to mold specialists. I went to um, chemists, uh, Biology majors. I even talked to high school students that were interested in bio- biology, trying to figure out what the f- was going on with my lotion. Yes, and everyone said, "Oh, the problem is simple. You're being a moron. You just add parabens. Problem solved." Mm-hmm. And I said, "No, parabens are not an option, and you can't tell me that parabens are the only way to solve this problem." And that's what everyone said. Nope, that's the only way to do it. And so um, we were just about out of cash. We had like five, six thousand dollars in the bank. Ah. we're fucked. And, uh, me and, me and my brother sat down and we we're like, uh, we got a choice here. Uh, we can either close the company and, uh, take the six grand we have left and lick our wounds and go do something else and, you know, and whatnot, or we can, uh, invent something that doesn't exist currently. And, uh, uh me and my brother decided we're going to just invent something that didn't exist.
2: Ah, I like that.
1: And so, um, I have done a lot of research with metallurgy in the past due to some, Stuff that I did that wasn't maybe legal at the time. Oh, whoa! What is this stuff? What <laughs> this
0: statue of limitations? Uh, we're not
1: quite over <laughs> our of <statue laughs> limitations on that particular issue. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't too terribly bad, but you know, <laughs> definitely maybe wasn't legal. Yeah. Um, and so, anyways, I decided uh, that we were going to use a combination of um, naturally occurring substances um, on the earth that. Have doesn't they didn't have any like good evidence that they preserved products at the time like good scientific evidence but it, it, people were using it for thousands of years they and, were yeah yeah um, oh. uh, silver.
0: Really, what, what, is, was there anything in particular that brought that to your attention? Like that gave you that: opinion? Again, the
1: metallurgy thing, the metallurgy the metallurgy oh, thing. Okay. Yeah, and I just Good. happened to know a lot about silver. It was like the one thing I knew a shitload about, and so my, uh, that was where I originally started gravitating towards was the silver. People used to take uh, silver coins and put them in milk to make the milk last three or four times longer with, you know, before refrigeration and stuff. Really? Yeah, and it worked, and people people oh. did it. So um, I, I said to myself, uh, maybe that is part of the ingredient. So we um, learned how to make an, uh, a uh, it's a um, it's a subatomic particle of um, of uh, silver. And it's like colloidal silver, uh-huh. except for much smaller particle particles. So than colloidal silver, just like minute. Uh-huh. And we decided to do that, and then we added in some uh, pH balancing. Um, and a, uh, and, and alco- a distillate of alcohol uh, called mm-hmm. benzyl alcohol. Um, and, and so all of it was completely organic. We put it together and uh, we sent it to the lab um, to have it tested to see um, what it would do. And they do, do this thing called challenge testing where they take uh, like like thousands of different mold. And mold bacteria and, and, and pathogens, and just like nasty, nasty things that you'd never want to put in your human body. And they inject it into your product and see how long it takes for your product to spoil. Wow. Um, before, it spoiled almost instantly.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, not even a week. And, and we weren't even adding external bacteria into it. Wow. And uh, so we did all this, and within 24 hours, Our lotion killed <clears throat> every freaking piece of bacteria that was injected into our lotion. Within 24 hours, it was clean. And it ended up ended up being like one of the best antiseptics in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, just outright yeah. kills everything and uh, yeah, all, all bad bacteria.
0: Crazy! Out. You must have felt like you were on top of the world at that moment. No,
1: we were still pretty. F- oh really? <laughs> Oh, God! Yeah. yeah, we were still still re- afraid
0: of going to be able to rebound off of it. So how long was that process of unfucked? We might have found a solution. Um, that It probably took about two months. Two months. Whoa. Yeah, two months of replacing
1: product every every single day. It was, it was brutal. Rough. Yeah, it was very rough.
2: And w-
0: what made you want to stick with it, you and your brother? Is it because you believed in it so much, desperation? Or is it that you thought that, you know, you could rebound off of this? Um, I wasn't doing a lot of thinking in those days. I like that. I was just trying to
1: not fail. Yes. Um, but... Uh, One foot in front of the other. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think we would succeed, but I didn't think we were going to fail either. I just didn't think
0: about it. I knew what had to be done, and I just started doing it. I see, just you didn't lose your focus. I believe that once you start, you zoom out of things, we tend to lose our focus, and then therefore, that's when slipping up occurs, or you might not have got your bright idea because you lost your momentum because you're busy now getting anxiety and panicking. Yeah. Well, and then when we finally solved
1: the problem, uh, we had lost 100% of our credibility in medical marijuana. 100% of it. Gone. Really? Nobody trusted us. Oh. Because our lotion just kept molding day after day. And so I came to them and I said, it's fixed. Here's my lab results. And people were like, I don't know what all that shit means. And I bet you had competitors that were sizing you up by that time. Correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We had Kush Cream coming back and attempting to take market share. We had a Topical Way coming back in, trying to size us up and take some of our market share. And uh, we, had, we had some very loyal customers that just, we, we had like a cult-like following that kept us in, in business. And by the way, if any of those people are listening, thank you all yes. <laughs> very much, because <laughs> without you, we would definitely not be here anymore. And they believed in Liberty Lotion enough to, to give us the benefit of the doubt that we would solve the problem, and we did. And so we, um, at that time, we were knocked down, and uh, we never did fully recover from it uh, during the medical marijuana boom at all. Um, we, we always had that, um, that Lou, we lost about, uh, 15% of our stores that we were in. So we weren't in a hundred percent anymore. We oh. lost about 15% of our market share, which by the way is an outstanding number. Most people would have lost a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was devastating, but we, we treated our customers right when they had them, when they had a moldy bottle, we replaced it. No questions asked. We didn't get them, give them any bullshit or anything. We oh, just, wow. we did the right thing a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And, um, we just stuck to stuck to our roots. Good customer service, uh, making the best products, uh, and then if we if we messed up, we admitted it frankly mm-hmm. and moved on. And our customers appreciated it that we weren't trying to beat around the bush or blame it blame it on externally. And we just said, "Yeah, it was our, our, our we screwed something up. We don't know what, but we screwed something up. But we're trying to fix it." And they loved our honesty and and uh, and and so they stuck by us, which was great. Um, and uh, anyway, so. After, after the dust had cleared, we had lost all of our salespeople, uh, 15% of the market. And um, we were still having a hard time kind of picking back up into uh, medical marijuana. And um, 502 passed. And uh, I was like, oh, bummer. You How did know? it impact you guys? Well... Everyone was 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 high on, on happiness when yes. 502 passed. Uh, the medical marijuana shops were told that the state was going to convert them into these rec stores and then anyone could buy and they were all happy. But um, I have had a lot of experience with government in the past, and I know they're full of shit. When the government tells you they're going to be nice and help you, bend over and expect it. Uh I see. Because that's the way it is. Yeah. And so everyone was really happy about it, but I saw a different side. I saw the side that the government was, was going to um, take out medical marijuana entirely. It was it was going to die. Which they did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yes, absolutely they did. But at the time, I was considered tinfoil hat. I was. I even went around. I, I talked to all of our customers. said, look, we can save your business if we start doing the right things and, and get everything. And they all just said, oh, you're crazy. They're going to give us our licenses. What are you talking about?
0: And that's just kind of sneaky, too, because they took it out of the medical eye. Not saying that it... It sh- I think it definitely needs should be recreationalized. No one should be put in a cage for smoking weed for doing, doing anything. Obviously. Really. Obviously. But um, they, I've, I don't know how they did in Colorado. I don't know how they did anywhere else. But here, they literally, I believe, pulled it out of the fucking medical eye to the point of where it's not even considered, it's considered by people a medicine, but it's not considered you would go to the hospital and then they would recommend weed. I don't know. I, I don't know if a doctor would anymore because no, now you know, it's not, like, not no. considered medical here. Yeah, it's, it's not just, talked about. It's really, it's no, really, like, uh,
1: I mean, it's still medical here, but yeah, there's, there's no medical stores. There's no
0: doctors. There's, yeah. I mean, it's
1: just a, a guy behind the counter
0: selling Someone weed. Someone would have to be desperate to be able to, to go to it for its, not for its medicinal properties, but like, if you know, you had a cold. I personally always found smoking weed. Is helpful, especially that in lower THC um, for getting through a cold. And I always found it was better than cough syrup. I can prepare that from when I was sober for four years after smoking weed for a long ass time and then smoking weed again. Um, but if I go to a doctor, I feel like they're still just going to be business as usual. Because it's not even like you know in their lexicon. Yeah, but well, and, and It's back,
1: unfortunate. But but in all fairness, fraud was pretty rampant back in medical. Was it? Marijuana. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. We all, I mean, you know, I got. I remember problems, when I remember when I got uh, my medical my medical marijuana card. I walked in. I was like, oh man, my foot hurts. I broke it when I was six, and it just it keeps flaring up. And he looks yeah. at doctor looks at me and goes, "So what you're oh. telling me is your back hurts, right?" And I was like. <laughs> I was like whatever. Yeah, just see, I just, just mean, write the damn it's just re- write the recommendation. It's Let's move on silly. with our lives. Yeah, was silly.
0: We're all adults. We all make our own decisions and we're all going to make our decisions whether or not you, you know what I mean? You can make something silly, you can make it illegal, you can make it illegal. People are still going to make their choices, man.
1: So, that um, was
0: dangerous for me, man. so <laughs> uh
1: So so anyways, um everyone everyone again thought I was thought I was nuts and I told my brother I said, "You know what we should be doing?" Um, we should say um, screw medical marijuana because um, they're going to get they're going to get crushed, mm-hmm. and um, you know our customers won't have any place to buy it if we don't act now and get out of the medical marijuana industry and and start selling in pharmacy pharmacies and groceries uh, grocery stores. And my brother laughed his ass off at me. He said, "If you think that you can get CBD, a, a derivative of cannabis, into a real live." you know, um, pharmacy, you, you must be smoking too much weed because you're stupid.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I said, well, you know, baby steps. Let's start off with a food co-op. He said, again, you know, food co-ops don't buy marijuana products. I said, not yet. And so I went down to the Skagit Valley food co-op and uh, I, I dressed up in my suit and I started walking around in their back room. Like oh. I, I found their like little employee only entrance. I just walked back really? there and I was just walking around and it was, uh, it was like really close to closing time. And uh, I walked by this lady and I looked at her and I said, you wouldn't happen to be the wellness purchasing manager, would you? And she's like, well, yes, I am. Who are you? What? Yeah. I just got lucky. Oh you know? God. That's, <laughs> it, that's, it that's what lucky. luck
0: is. It's just tenacity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so anyways, her name, uh, her name was, uh, Nancy Lee and, um, it was, she was, uh, she was, very impressed i gave her i and, and I, I said look i could give you a long pitch and like tell you how great this stuff is and all that stuff i said but here's what i'm gonna do instead uh and this actually is my pitch nowadays i'm very cocky about mm-hmm. liberty lotion it's fantastic i just handed her some stuff i said just try it you know you'll call me and i turned around and left hmm. that was it that was it i asked her who she was she told me uh i said look i could give you a big long pitch or put this on your pain you'll call me tomorrow and sure as shit, my phone rang the next day.
0: You fed her the confidence. Yeah,
1: and uh, and she said, "Wow, well, this stuff is amazing. What's in it? How does it work?" Uh, I started explaining it to her, and uh, rightfully so, she was very concerned about the legalities of bringing it in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, uh, the one thing I did know back in those days, that I was very good at, was of course um, uh, law. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had done a lot of research, I understood the cannabis laws very well and knew um, all the regulations associated with it, the jurisdiction of, you know, of every single um, uh, entity, whether it be state or federal, that could have jurisdiction in a situation like this. And after, it took about a month or so, um, she finally said, yeah, you know what, it probably is legal. You know, I'll, Fuck it, I'll take a risk. And so uh, that was our very, very first general market account. And um, we saw something as our, um, and, and, and medical was still going great at the time, you know. Okay. But by all means, we were doing well. And uh, we went in there, I did a couple of demos, and I was just blown away by the numbers. The numbers were out freaking ranges. She was buying anywhere from $500 to $1,000 per week of Liberty Lotion. Wow. Per week. Per week. I mean, that it was just true. flying off the shelves. Vendors. Yeah, people had never seen anything like it and it was it was out of control, so um, obviously, at that point, I was like, "Well, this is our most successful account without a doubt, so we started you know growing that side of the business, and as medical started to to collapse in fall, uh, we closed more and more uh, food co-ops throughout the throughout the United States. So no longer were we dependent on Washington State for our revenue. We mm-hmm. we had um, all the food co-op. Not we're probably not in a hundred percent of them, but we're, we're probably in the eighty percent range for the uh, for the food co-ops. And we did it the old-fashioned way. Complying with federal regulations. Oh. Yep. We we called them. We, uh, we, we cold called them, we emailed them, we got the sales. Really?
0: So you so to get into these individual co-ops, you couldn't just call. There's no co-op HQ. Obviously, the word co-op itself lends it to...
1: Well, actually, that was one of our issues, actually. there There's a distribution company, and most food oh. co-ops require you to work with that company. The problem was they, charged, they were charging way too much money. They weren't promoting the product. They weren't doing the things that needed to be done for Liberty Lotion success. And, uh, that was a huge hurdle when we were, when we were first starting up, people were like, Oh, you're not with UNFI. And I was like, I was like, no UNFI. offense, but fuck UNFI. You know, they, hmm. you know, they, they, um, they were a big corporation, a huge, massive multi-billion dollar corporation. Really? And
0: they, they handle the distribution for, for all the food co-ops in the United States. The what? Yeah, Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically like a bunch of, uh, an umbrella corporation for sister, cor- for sister companies or whatever. And so local no not really local
1: because local in a sense yeah but um, but definitely uh, a a large majority of the profits uh, from these local food co-ops are going to UNFI for sure Hmm. and I was like you know what I was like you know what this is stupid and think think about it food co-ops these are all people that believe in sustainability. They're all people that believe in local uh, sourced stuff. They want small businesses. They don't want these large corporations. And you know what? I exploited the living crap out of that. Yeah. I called them up. I said, yeah, you know, UNFI, blah, 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 blah. I, like, I was like, but to cut me out and say that you're not going to sell my amazing product to your, to your food co-op because I'm not working with a huge corporation, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of a food co-op? And... silence on the other end like oh you got me and so we uh, again we we closed and again tremendous amounts of success Uh, people people loved Liberty Lotion and that was the core of our business wasn't that we were great advertisers or that we were amazing at um, you know particular uh, whatever it may be right Um, the foundation of our of our company was always we make really killer products and people love them. And people want to buy them. And people come back for them. And people tell their friends and their family. You know, when uh, when our customers go to their grandma's house and say, they, they say, Hey, grandma, try this Liberty Lotion. It will literally stop your arthritis pain that you've been having for 20 years. And, uh, and, and that is how we grew to what we are today. That's our core is the customer, not not the not the middleman, not a bunch of distributors, not even the internet. It's all about our our core, our fundamentals which again make really good products. Mm-hmm. Period. That's what we do. Yes. We make the best. Fuck the price. Focus Fuck on the part. price. People don't care. People don't care. They want, they want the best and they don't mind paying for it. The other thing is we've done something that no, that as far as I know, no other company has done. We are a hundred percent based in the United States. All of our bottles are produced in the United States. And by the way, that is a lot more expensive than going to China. I could save a lot of money by going to China. Um, all of our pumps, all of our, every ingredient is made, manufactured, um, here in the United States, a hundred percent. All of our employees are obviously part, you know, part of the United yes. States, and um, we do not, we do, we we, we will pay double or triple um, the going rate of something to get it in the United States as opposed to getting it in China,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because um, this is the future of business. The future of business is, um, is sustainable, is you know, helping your own economy, not shipping your money over to China or or to Uganda or wherever it may be. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine with those countries and I, I fully support them having good and healthy economies. But as an American, I feel like it's your duty to support your own economy, to help build your own country, um, provide jobs where you live locally.
0: Also, too, um, I have very little knowledge and economics, so people out there who know a lot about economics probably want to shoot me in the fucking face, but fuck you, and I'm sorry at the same time. Um, Is that if you have, if you you were to buy products outside of our country, then that would essentially be, wouldn't be a closed loop economy, and if you don't have a, you even look at it for like, so a good example is a small town, that if everyone there um, gets paid, by some big corporation, and basically their money's getting funneled out of there. It's trickling out because the town won't ever build up unless people add to that economy. Because yeah. it's a st- like your uh, how much money something has is always a static, finite thing. And so when you're putting it in other communities, if that never gets back here in some way, like if those people who Obviously, they don't make money, but these people in these big-ass conglomerates, they don't spend money in that same small town. That small town's is just leeching money out, basically. Yeah, And that's what I think is, if you look at it on uh, this level in the United <laughs> States, you're leeching money out that will probably never come back in here, unless it's obviously the person who receives the money, spends it here once again. Yeah, well, and, and that, that, that's
1: very important to know that the United States is bleeding out. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is absolutely yeah. bleeding out. Um, the way the way the entire system is set up is set to bleed into China mm-hmm. and into the Uni- uh, or into the European Union. That is how this is set up. That is why we have trade deals uh, like NAFTA. Um, yeah. It is set to suck us dry. And mm-hmm. um, until until Americans stand up and, and decide that they're uh, they're ready to be uh, be brave again, because yeah. this country used to be the home of the free and the brave, mm-hmm. but it's not anymore. It's some of the people that want to pay cheap prices and don't want, don't care about the real cost of of, of their
0: of their iPhone. I just think that uh, merely speculation that everything's becoming so easy. And our response to that ease. So when a child grows up, and let's say for my son, and he grows up with a standard of tablets, and I'm not knocking on electronics. There's caveats, there's pros and cons to everything, um, but he grows up with tablets. He knows a world he does not know a world without the ability to search something and in my opinion if we look at how well we adapt as a species is that my child must have must be adapting dramatically to these new inputs he does so he does not know like for me I came into it when oh now there's electronics by the time I grew up I grew up playing video games but so I have that framework but his framework was built before he was born mm-hmm. on like the ease of everything. So if he wants to go and, um, what is it? If he would like to be immersed in story or into a virtual world, he can be. And I feel like that has to fundamentally change your biology in some way. Mm-hmm. And with that though, everything being so easy, I think we lose perspective. Not We lose perspective in comparison to how our culture used to be. So this, bra- this sense of bravery and gusto, it's not necessary in our, not saying that, we, you know what I mean, that we shouldn't have, or we should have that, or shouldn't have it, but it, it's just not demanded of your average person. Yep. And I, I question the implications of that, because the implications of that, I believe, are not considered, we're just, you know going along like we always do but that is something that i believe needs to be questioned is that this lack of gusto and bravado um if it is something that is essential to someone and what the implications are going to be and how to um i guess mitigate whatever negative consequences might come from it because you know kid who can't fucking cook for himself i'm not saying all kids are like that that's obviously an extreme example, but I've heard that. I've heard people who put, like, this, once again, could just be an idiot. Um, just a single idiot, you know, rare, um, puts a fucking tire pressure thing right next to his tire to fill his tire up, and he's wondering why it's not working. And he goes in there and he complains that it's not working properly. And she says, oh, you need to put it on your tire. Really? Yeah, and, but once again, extreme example. I'm just saying. Well, people, uh, people nowadays are afraid of discomfort. Yes, I, I think so as well. That's why I always try to. I always measure a man or woman by how much discomfort they can actually stand. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and here's the thing: um, becoming successful is is a giant discomfort. It's uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. It, it is uncomfortable. It's always uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable from the moment you start. From the moment you decide. I'm going to do this by myself and not with a job. Um, that that in and of itself is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to work 18 hour days and not get paid for it and get paid zero. You make nothing. Yes. Um, but the difference is um, one success uh, is uh, a success that not only uh, lasts a lifetime, um, but is an amazing journey along the way. Um, it's, it's fun, you know. I, I look back on Old Apocalypse not with a uh, not with a feeling of remorse or oh, it was so scary. I, I think back on it and it's a fond memory. Don't get me wrong, it was uncomfortable at the time. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable,
0: but it was a very fond memory at the same time. Mm. I think that the important thing too that I like to underline is that those moments that you can own yourself are far better. Than trying to build somebody else's dream. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Not, I mean, small. My experience in like small company, it feels like that still. When I say just your dream, I don't even mean you yourself. Like I'm in, it, I have to do something. But I mean, I believe, I think it's in relation to Dunbar's number. I need to read more about it, <laughs> but uh, that we only can like store 150 people or some bullshit within our our minds. And then anything outside of there, we don't recognize them anymore. it's one year out the other. If you have a company that becomes larger than maybe that number, or my, in my opinion, maybe like 20. If you go over 20 people, it's not a family. And those don't, it doesn't feel like your dreams anymore. So when you're doing these struggles, like if I'm at work and all of a sudden like a fucking, if I was a chef still, and I had a really rough day it's not going to feel the same. I'm not going to own it. Like, I would own pursuing this idea or... You know what I mean? Like, when I make art or when I'm trying to push a product, even a podcast, I experience, like, you know, a certain level of anxiety and discomfort in trying to talk to people and then trying to convey these ideas and articulate them well. But that, once I get over that discomfort... It is the greatest high that I've ever felt. Just like when I perform on stage, it's the fucking, it's amazing. I, I can't stop doing it. Just jujitsu, kickboxing, all that shit. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important to find that thing, to find that ish. And even, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a product that relates to your own itch, if you're going to go a product route, I mean, is uh, Tim Ferriss is someone who brings it up often, is uh, try to build something to, or create something to, that scratches your own itch. Don't try to make fucking strollers when you don't even have a child. You can not to know how to build that shit better. Like, yeah. you don't have no heart. Well, and, and to, to
1: be fair, yeah, that was one, one part of the story I actually did leave out was, you mm-hmm. know, the reason Libby Lotion even came into being originally the green nasty stuff yes. was uh, my brother sustained a pretty severe um, injury really? uh, working at a industrial plant and uh Shit. and it disabled him and and the first generations of Liberty lotion were of course made to treat his own pain and so he hmm. m- he made for what he had at the time he made an amazing amazing product um, obviously we've had to advance it significantly since then yes. um but uh you know the idea of using cannabis to heal uh, was definitely um a a fantastic uh situation so mm-hmm. um now uh if you'd like, I can continue with the mojette. Yes, absolutely. Before I <laughs> get off from the <laughs> yes. so, uh, so, anyways, uh, after after that, um, we decided that we wanted to uh, um, expand even more and uh, get into pharmacies. So um, mm-hmm. there were there were a few things that were happening during that period of time. Of course, our costs were really really high um, on our oils and stuff. Um, our cost of goods sold were brutal. I mean, just downright. Really? Down. Oh yeah. Um, they were another, another thing that was close to putting us out of business. Most of our money was going to buying oil. Oh, so um, it was the oil part that was the biggest it, pressure. It was okay. very bad, yeah. And of course, as medical started to crumble, Dama, which was a purely medical marijuana company, um, was crumbling. You know, they were losing their business. Mm. And so um, I had to learn how to do extractions. Now, luckily, I had gotten my feet wet with moldpocalypse on the whole, um, you know, biochemistry side of things. That gave me a good uh, vantage point to learn how to do extractions. So, um, first uh, first, first step was to, A, learn how to do extractions. I started off with ethanol extractions. They were pretty crappy. Um, you yeah, know,
0: Ethanol alcohol. Ethanol that. alcohol, yeah. And uh, they, they were pretty bad. What, did um, they leave, like, uh, residue by, or what was it? Or no, they wouldn't. they just didn't. I mean, a lot of times there were, there was, you know, a, a residual solvents and oh.
1: whatnot, which is why they're kind of goopy and, and stuff like that. Oh, okay. if, if you're smoking yeah. something goopy, that means there's residual solvents in it. I see. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, that, sometimes they were green, sometimes they were, you know, red. I mean, there was no consistency. Yeah. Oh. Just based on the strain of whatever you were extracting, right? And, uh, so I started doing that and, uh... And then um, you know, I had some success. I learned how to do extractions and stuff. And uh, everyone's like, "Oh, you gotta, you know, you gotta have a CO two machine. You gotta do it with this. You gotta do this." And eventually, I had enough of these stoners trying to tell me what to do. What I found out was not one of them knew what the fuck they were talking about. Uh, None of them yeah. it's like wives tales. The okay. real science behind it. So I, I focused on learning the real science. And eventually, I came across this uh, scientific principle that is extremely basic. I'm really shocked it took me this long to like, stumble upon it, <laughs> it's called fractional distillation. Fractional distillation? Yeah, oh. so fractional distillation is the art of basically every compound in the world has a boiling point. Okay. And the idea is that uh, if you heat something up and you separate, separate it based on its boiling points...
0: Oh, because everything has a different kind of boiling point. Yeah, and, and everything condenses right. at a
1: different level, that you can pull off um, higher purity... Extraction. So um, I kept on looking for a solvent. Couldn't find a good solvent. I didn't really like ethanol. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like the R22 I was experimenting with. All the machines were like two hundred fifty thousand dollars for CO2, Ooh. and I was like, I just I don't have a quarter million dollars to be spending on this garbage. So I uh, I invented my own solvent. I took vinegar. I used fractional distillation and isolated them based on their ketones. You um, mm-hmm. know a little bit about ketones, of course. Uh, yeah. My theory was this, was that CBDs and THC are extremely fat-soluble. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. That, that they're, for all intents and purposes, they might as well be fat. Yes. Um, and what are ketones in the human body? Of course, they break fat down. Uh-huh. And I would like to believe that human bodies are the most efficient things in the universe. Mm-hmm. And so my idea was if I could get those ketones out of the human body and use them in my extraction... That that would be the world's greatest solvent. So yeah. I found out that those same ketones that are in our body, the indigenous ones, you can get the exogenous ketones. Yeah, yeah. Well, my mm-hmm. idea was that um, they are present in vinegar. So if I were to take vinegar uh. and fractionally distill it, I could pinpoint the boiling temperature of a ketone and pull out and really? yeah, make my own solvent. What? <laughs> yeah, and so that's what I did. And that solvent is the shit. I mean, it's an amazing solvent. It's yeah. great. It works, it works like you've never seen anything. So what, what did that do? It made it so I could um, take a plant. I could extract the plant. My yields were about 5% higher than anyone else. And my potencies went from 70% to um, after my purification process. And uh, they were in the 92 to 97% range.
0: Wow. That's so, a fucking
1: leap. Yeah. Uh, so I was getting a lot more oil. I was getting a lot higher potency, and that, of course, lowered my costs, um, which made it so we could um, expand into right the general market in a more aggressive way, which is what we did. Um, now, once we got into the general market, we started to have the government throw out some shit about so CBDs how they were going to be
0: illegal. So, that was just on the news, you didn't get any like, notices or anything like that, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah.
1: Um, so, I decided at that point, I was like, oh man, you know, this is brutal. You yeah. know, every time I figure out this new thing of science that's going to propel us into the future, we get whipped down, and that's what the government Shit. does. You know, they like to whip you down, right? And so I said, you know what? F- fuck these guys. There's got to be a way. To um... my idea was this: air is not rare. You know, uh, hydrogen, oxygen, carbon—none of these things are rare, mm-hmm. and um, they just—they just appear in the universe in different quantities, and that's what makes. The difference between one
0: molecule being your shirt and another one being the carpet. Yeah, isn't it like different proportions of like subatomic part? Product yeah, products? carbon and you, you and, and you know product.
1: you know d- different different um, uh, uh, periodic um, you know elements.
0: Yeah, and because even like pine and weed are similar, right? yeah. like they're brothers. Just like a cat, a cat and a lion, they're just different mix up of shit. Yeah, and then so on and so forth. So my idea was this:
1: if um, if I'm naive enough to believe that CBD and THC can only be found in cannabis as cannabinoids, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, why, why would it be so crazy to believe that it could appear in other plants in nature? So, I went out and bought a metric ton of plants. Um, and I tested oh, every one of them for CBD and THC. Oh. Um, until I found a variety of 20 different plants that carried... Um, proponents of CBD and THC. Hmm. Then my next thought was, what if the endocannabinoid system that everyone touts isn't really an endocannabinoid system? What if it's just a bunch of nerve endings? What if, what if cannabis isn't the trigger point, but certain chemicals interact with the endocannabinoid system? And most of those, uh, a lot of the chemicals found in cannabis do that, but what if what if other what if other chemicals do it too? What if um, you know something out of normal everyday grass um, you know has a profound effect when concentrated on your endocannabinoid system? So, at that point, we started working on uh, how to become immune to the effects of government. Because I was really sick and tired of having government walk in there and, and crush my nuts off every week, I was yeah. just getting really pissed. So we uh, we settled on a on a particular blend of plants that were not cannabis, were not hemp, or marijuana related in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. Um, and I did extractions and purifications and got our ratios. Uh, I was making CBD oil that was ninety five plus percent pure and did not was was not in any way, shape, or form connected to cannabis now the other cool thing about this was during my research i found another few plants that weren't cannabis at all but had profound and significant um effects on the endocannabinoid system Uh. similar to cbd but on steroids, meth, crack, cocaine, and heroin all at the same
2: time. Oh, uh, that's
0: interesting. Yeah,
1: it, was, it, was, uh, it was some amazing, amazing discoveries. So what we did was we switched up our formula once again and made it so our CBD was no longer derived from hemp and cannabis, but it was in fact derived from, uh, from a proprietary blend of plants.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, here's another cool thing that came out of the discovery was the fact that um, flaxseed is actually very high in THC. What? Yeah, most people don't know that. It is actually uh, pretty... It's actually... Um, I'm not going to say it's like a huge percent. It's not like 30% or anything yes. like that. But as far as in the plant kingdom goes, I would say that it's more than just a trace element.
0: Is it like uh, poppy seeds kind of deal? More than what? poppy seeds. Oh, more than poppy seeds. More than okay. poppy seeds,
1: yeah. So, hmm. um, So, anyways, I, I just I found that to be interesting. So, my idea was this. Based on the law... And speaking legally here for a moment, if you were to extract the THC from a flax plant and then condense it to 99.999% pure THC, you could sell that pure THC to a 10-year-old legally um, because it was derived from flax Ah. and not from cannabis. And so I explained this... to some of our customers, and it didn't really sink in and and really do well. By then, we had closed Hagen, and the numbers at Hagen were phenomenal. Um, really, is yeah, very successful. There yeah, Hagen's it's a grocery big big, big uh, grocery chain, grocery chain, grocery chain and owned, and then, owned by uh, Albertsons. And yes. is it only in Washington,
0: correct? Um,
1: so no, the there's far. there's I think there I think there's one or two in Oregon too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a relatively local brand. Okay. and uh, the the numbers there blew the food co-ops just out of the water. Wow, I mean, it's it's. that's been crazy and uh, pharmacists people can go in and talk to a real pharmacist someone that went to school and understands chemistry and ask them about CBD ask them how it interacts with their body they can ask questions like is this going to make yes yeah And, and, and they can go talk to a real life pharmacist and the great thing is these pharmacists once they start seeing what Liberty Lotion was capable of they're starting to recommend it to their patients and so we're getting some, some very substantial um, benefits f- from having our brand represented by pharmacists. And by the way, we are the absolute first um, company that came from cannabis and now is in pharmacies and actually, you know, in doctor's offices. We actually are carried by a lot of doctors as well, chiropractors, naturopaths. How,
0: so how did you transition into that whole pharmacist thing, Hagen's, and like doctors? Like did you base, was it easy because you no, already we, were established or not you, easy did you have to call one specific person or were you just cold calling doctors it it was, sh- it, was it was one
1: at a time and wow. and actually i would say this our customers had had some of the most significant um, some of the most significant roles especially with the doctors because really? our, our our customers would go to their doctors and say doctor you know i know this sounds a little crazy but i've been using this this pot cream uh-huh. and i'm fairly certain my carpal tunnel is straight up cured yeah, and the doctor. Like, oh, what are you talking about? Really? And the doctors would. This would happen multiple oh. times until the doctors would finally call us and say, "You know, what, I want to start carrying your products." And so they started selling it in their own in their own practices. Wow. And recommending it to patients, and 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 having uh, you know, some some pretty substantial results.
0: It's um, an interesting effect on the culture.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been really good. Actually, I would say our, our best salespeople are our customers. They,
0: oh, almost well, is the case. Yeah, Just because you know, if you have someone who they're honestly giving their opinion of something more as opposed to you know business everyone's always a little skeptical oh yeah absolutely and that's
1: why I don't even try and sell people anymore I'm just like you know try it
0: I think people respect that more or less too because they don't feel like you're trying to sell them something yeah Draw your own conclusions. Exactly. Maybe maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll suck. Either way, you be the judge. Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, so so, anyways, um, then we got a bombshell. This was actually not too terribly long ago. Um, but the government decided that they were going to... I'm sorry, not the government. Specifically, The um, the DEA wanted to reclassify CBD, which has never yeah, been on the schedule. That. Yeah, they have never been... It has never been a drug. It has never been on the schedule one drug. List and they decided they wanted to reclassify it as a Schedule I drug without congressional approval.
0: And so when it's a Schedule problem. One drug, it's not... You can't sell it in a pharmacy. And it's not good. It's not considered having even medicinal yeah. properties. Yeah, it was pretty That's
1: ridiculous. Tough. So they did this. But again, they made a very, very, very fatal error. They only classify CBD as something that comes from cannabis, Yeah. Yeah. It's only, as far as the government's concerned, it's only ever derived from cannabis. And of course, I had already figured out that it was not just derived from cannabis. And prior to them releasing this information about six months before, I'd already made this completely aware to our customers. We had done a lot of press conferences on it, talked to people about it. She just got out in front of it. Way in front of it. Because I knew they were going to pull some shit like this. It was obvious. And so um, Hagen called, called, called us up and said, hey, you know, we heard that it's been illegalized. We have to pull you off the shelf. And they pulled us off the shelf and we were off the shelf for about two weeks. So their legal department could like really look into it. I wrote this really nice brief. I talked to their lawyers and after two weeks they said, uh, bravo for being ahead of this thing by six months because your product is a hundred percent legit. And they put us back on the shelf and we've been crushing it ever since
0: that is tremendous.
1: Yeah. And then That's um amazing. after uh, after that um then we learned how to isolate it even further from that 97% range to uh, the 99.9% range and turn it into almost a pure crystalline compound. Um and like, again, hunting breaking bad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like breaking bad. Yeah. And so uh since then we've released uh the most powerful tinctures in the market. Um, with zero THC, no THC, zero whatsoever, nothing. So we have thousand milligram tinctures now for a thou- uh, for you know we're selling them for like I don't know like uh, like eighty bucks or something. But other people are selling that same tincture for like two hundred fifty bucks. Wow. Yeah, and theirs has THC in it. Ours don't. Um, so uh, it's legal in all 50 states, across uh, all borders, as far as I know, unless there's some law I'm unaware of in a foreign country, which yeah, is entirely possible, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just in the process now of growing very, very quickly. But at no point would I say this this journey has been easy. It hasn't been easy, but it is extremely rewarding. It's, mm-hmm. it's very fulfilling. And, uh, you know, that was one thing that... Um, I absolutely you know when I had a job I, I got to admit i I absolutely hated going to it it was It was not fun for me, it felt
0: like slavery um in fact, it probably was slavery yeah. to a degree i mean in my opinion, the amount of effort you put into something doing on your own you not at least not initially you get paid far more for that effort than you would ever do in a job yeah like yeah
1: so um so then I started up a new philosophy that uh was uh <laughs> my brother didn't like it first it turned out to be the right way to go <laughs> I wanted to make it so our um, employees that had to do directly with the business so unfortunately this does not include the, um, the production side of our business um, which we do pay them very well for, for what they do by, by a long shot we pay, we pay our employees more than anyone else does mm-hmm. and I take pride in that um, yeah. I, I want to I want to make sure that my, that my employees don't have to be on food stamps you yeah. know, that's disgraceful if you ask me um, you know, one man's opinion though. No, um, I
0: understand being subsidized. It's kind of weird when people employ someone and they expect them to get subsidized by the rest of our, know, ten, our yeah, country. It's, it it's, doesn't make any sense because you should be, you should f- basically be having your employee at at the least. Be able to fully take care of themselves. That should be a standard,
1: you know, you know within reason. I think that you know a lot of the jobs like McDonald's—they are supposed to be temporary
0: jobs. Well, I, I Sixteen-year-olds living. Once at home. again, though, I, I guess I should to support. I guess that statement would be um, these jobs that are paying very little. They shouldn't. There shouldn't be an option for it to be permanent. It should be utilized for. Um, Children, not children, <laughs> but uh, child labor, yeah. Young, <laughs> yeah, child labor, young adults in a public education program to where people are cycled through a variety of in need jobs. So it's, people should be as a you know a young adult work at McDonald's for a minute, and then they should go work at like the lowest form of uh, healthcare. But because then they can be like, oh, I really fucking hated healthcare. I don't want to be a nurse anymore. Fuck this. But it all comes down to personal choices, you know. I, I don't,
1: you know, I don't, I don't personally. I, I think I, again, it comes down to personal choices. Some pe- people are habitually poor because they suck with money, but and, and they, they they can't get it together to move yeah. beyond that. But and and some people don't like taking taking any form of risk. And I'll tell you, one of the lowest risks thing you can do is make minimum wage. Well,
0: I, is it though? Because our culture supports that. Because all our schools have ever been trying. Or the way that our school system was set up was in response to the Industrial Revolution, which was to put out uh, machinists, to put out workers to work in factories. Yeah, but and we don't we don't do that anymore. I know we don't, but I mean our education system, the way it is, the way it was built, was to teach people to f- have ha- the ability to read instructions and follow instructions. It, like literally, that's it's not built for you to be able to. Um, for abstract thinking and reasoning, for you to be able to critically think and you know build shit, it's for you to regurgitate information yeah, as it stands.
1: The problem, with, the problem with our school system today is that we teach our students what to think and not how to think. And that's what I mean. Yeah.
0: Is that's that's like set up for to become a worker. So like that, our education system as it stands, and I'm not even speaking about college; it's a whole different fucking beast. But our public education system, anyway, is set up. To make you the best McDonald's worker possible, or it's set up to make you um, the best fucking aerospace worker possible. You need to learn the math, even though we all hate it. The only purpose was is because math is required in every industrial job, even the simplest of math. It doesn't matter, like if you want to be an artist and you all you need to know is you know you don't need to go beyond algebra because you just need to do fucking taxes. They push you beyond that. Because it has to do with the industrial jobs. Because that was back in the day. We've never actually changed what we're trying to teach kids. And I don't mean to get tangential or anything like that. But uh, I'm saying that with a lot of people... Not necessarily people of my generation or even the one before that. Because I think internet's disrupting that shit a lot. Because now we're learning mainly through the internet. Even when you're going to school. uh, Because it's where you spend all your time. But a lot of people... We were born into this culture where it was like, you work really hard, and you do the best with what you got, and you should be lucky that you have anything, and lucky to put food in your mouth. And the reality of that is, is that you get fucking, you get slapped on their hands, you get burned. Because if you get promoted throughout that system, so if you go from being an employee to a manager to a general manager, you go from working, making hourly wage to so most of the time salary, and then you work more hours than you did before, which makes if you made hourly with the amount of hours you're making in your salary, you make less hourly than you did before. And then you go to general manager and shit gets even more. Like, you yeah. see, the reward isn't, there's no reward. Well, well so I, uh, Fuck.
1: I was, uh, one day <coughs> I, was, I was at, uh, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Hmm. So one day, uh, uh, me and my brother went to, uh, to uh, Office Depot and I think we were buying paper mm-hmm. paper or something I don't know so something like that Right, paper, pens you know Office Depot shit right? Yeah. and uh, me and him um, met this guy by the name of Samuel over there he was an employee and uh, uh, when I met him he uh, he was very um, he was different I could tell that he was different he wasn't uh, he wasn't just an everyday person but he definitely was acting like an everyday person for yes. sure and uh, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, how much money do you make here? And uh, he said, oh, I, I make minimum wage. I said, uh, I said to him, I said, well, here, come, come to my shop a little bit later and um, if you want to make more money, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, he came by a little bit later. We, we did an interview, and I, I told him, I said, uh, you know, um, I've got a risky proposition for you. And he says, Oh, what's this risky problem? Uh, you know, probably. I said, look, I will, um, I'll bring you on, you know, onto the team and, uh, I will pay you. Um, I think, I I think I paid him like at first, uh, just slightly above what he was making before. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, put in three months and, uh, if this works out, we'll, we'll bring you on and we'll, we'll pay you like an owner and not like an employee. Mm -hmm. And, uh, anyways, uh, three months after he was excelling, he was learning very quickly. He was exactly what i'd hoped he would be, and uh, we put him on a new uh a new place schedule where basically we paid him like an owner instead of an employee and This is oh, what wow. we do for all of our um, all of our people that are directly in, intertwined with the business as far as you know sales or marketing or you know whatever it may be and um you know. Again, you know, I had, I had everybody, all my business friends were telling me I was stupid. You know, I could get along I could get away with paying him $15 an hour and he'd be ecstatic. Yeah. And they were right. I said, but you know what? Um, I'd rather pay this guy um, based on his effort, how much he puts out and how much he can, how much he can produce as a human being. And ever since I did that, he has tripled our revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, in a very short period of you time, take
0: ownership of your stuff. There's direct results to it. You're yeah. not given fucking uh, what do you call it brownie points. You're well, and, and I don't, I don't micromanage him at all either. Mm-hmm. He doesn't
1: have hours. He has to be here. Or anything like that. He does his own thing, and we gauge his success based on what happens with the company, based yeah. on the numbers. Uh, are numbers going up? Are they going down? Um, and the the great thing is, you know, originally his whole job was supposed to be to make phone calls and close stores, and he's evolved his own position. Now he does all of our online marketing. He he handles um, a, a majority of our shipping department. He's basically the business manager. He does a little bit of everything and, and excels at everything. And and the great thing is, is he learned all this from the University of Google. Oh yeah. For free. Oh yeah. Didn't cost him a penny. <laughs> Um, and, and so, you know, that, that, that'd be my, my position on, yeah. on public education and university. It's a complete waste of money. It's,
0: I, and, I mean, there was like, take Tim Ferriss, for example, once again, he, uh, instead of spending for what, six years of education, I don't know, four years, six years, you know, bachelor's degree, um, he used all that money and he invested it in businesses. And he's like, yeah, I learned so much more than that. It's not to say not to go to school for people, but it's just it's just, There's no rigid idea. No, any know, of this. You know, I'm gonna sure. take
1: I'm gonna take a firm stance. This Don't might be unpopular. Um, this this might be unpopular to say, but college is the most um, the most humongous waste of time, and it is a it is a proponent to put you into perpetual debt and fuck you over for the rest of your life. And it, it acts, absolutely does not um, harness the, the creativity of the human race. It, 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 is, it is where people go to become complete
0: failures in life. In the whole the thing about public education from uh, a couple of shit that I watched and kind of read about. Um, public education gears you towards a becoming an industrial employee. When you get to college, uh, especially Dr. Doc- doctorates um it gears you towards teaching. That's all it is. Teaching. And it teaches you how to become a teacher, it doesn't give you allow you to think for yourself. It doesn't it does not teachers on their own and try to incentivize that, but the entire system itself that they're operating in, it doesn't. And you're completely right. A good example is programming. So by the time that I get in programming or in school and I'm working on my associate's degree, for example. Um, everything that I learned by my associate's degree, and by the time that I graduate, she's probably been teaching the same thing, reiterating, regurgitating the same fucking test, just adjusting the smallest things, and I've heard this before many times. Um, so it, first of all, programming changes extremely fast. New languages come out, new, um, revisions to the language come out constantly. It's literally a normal speaking language, it's just for the machine. It's a way to speak to the machine and a way for it to be able to do what you tell it to. So by the time that I graduate with my associate's degree, everything I learned is like a flip phone. And now I'm working with smartphones. Yeah. Every time. And that's in business, everything. The amount of time that you can actually fucking you could spend three months learning what you could in a year. And I, what I'm really excited about is the internet is a disruption of the education system because now it's just fact check that people are fact checking. People are following their curiosity and going down rabbit holes, per se, and um, reading you know, actual papers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's also like, uh, it's not private schools that are coming now, but it's, it's school as a product. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's very fascinating. It's wrong. It, well, the, I mean, school is a product, there's a, there's a couple companies that are, whether or not it's like, so you, you're like, I know a lot about weed and I know a lot about chemistry. I don't know, you know, I'm not saying you're an expert in them, excuse me. Excuse me exactly. I am an expert. But yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure they make any assumptions. No, I am most certainly an expert, yeah. Uh-huh. No, definitely. Not. But I qualify it, as one. you said that I know a lot about chemistry and I know a lot about extracting. So, I can start a school because I I thoroughly understand this. I have working fucking relevant knowledge. You start a school to train people, essentially a training program, and you make it difficult because that's the only reason why it's valuable is because not everyone passes. That's the whole idea is that you have to jump through these hoops and it's kind of hard. Then they graduate. And everyone would be like, that guy's credible. He has his own, you know, business, his products and shit. He's consistent. The chemistry, you know, it's on point. He knows that he's an expert, obviously. And this is really hard because his pass rate 75%. So these people, yeah, I'm a high. I'm right away. So that's what's coming out is they're doing that for programming. Now I can spend $1,000 or I can pay him 50 bucks to $100 a month. And I can do it either all online, or I can go down to Seattle, and I can just chill there. Three month intensive program. By the time that I get out, I will know um, all the common languages. I'll have working knowledge. So much so that with my certifications, I'm guaranteed to hire, or else to get my money back. I mean, that's that, that's a, a much. I, I think that's a great evolution. it's to interesting. I think, and I think. I think. And they're not accredited like, or anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because. I've often considered setting up schools for business, mm-hmm. for sales, um, and um, and probably not chemistry. Yeah, and, I, I just found honestly, honestly, honestly the chemistry that the, so the chemistry that I do to be perfectly straightforward here mm-hmm. is very basic stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm I've become very proficient at it, mm-hmm. but I would be surprised, you know, if you if you were studying at university and you were like a a first year chemistry student. Mm-hmm. I would be very shocked if you could not pull off the exact same things that I do. Yes. I, I I'd be very surprised by that. So so like yes, I am an expert and I know a hell of a lot more than a lot of people, especially when you compare the people in the industry to myself, I seem like a super genius. Yeah. But if you compare me to a first year chem student, mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain the first year chem student would blow me out of the water.
0: And the the one thing that I was trying to highlight though is just the interesting um The interesting way that technology has disrupted the education system. In in my hopes, that with this new law um, that just passed, I know everyone hates it, and I don't even know what to think of it, but just passed the voucher system. So, where you can, so the government will pay if they approve it for your child to go to a private school or a home school or public schools by using vouchers. So it's just like uh, if I want to go take them to a private school, then they give me a voucher for X amount. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm just saying we're a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that this system's old and funky. Let's try to evolve, and I'm finding it interesting, just like with CBD and weed, um, how it's becoming part of the culture. This internet cohesion with our education is becoming part of the culture too. Well, you know, so, one thing. I, uh,
1: I've done extremely well in life by predicting um, government action.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and here's, here's, here's how I predict it. It's very simple. Uh, our government is a corporation. And that corporation, its job is to make money mm-hmm. and to get more power. That's their job at all times. And so when you look at reform, uh, and I'm not saying there aren't times where those, where those issues are abandoned... Uh, for the good of the people. It's freaking rare, but it can happen. Yeah. Um, more than likely what's going to happen is that you're going to see universities, you're going to see um, more of those accredited and or unaccredited colleges for massive dollars uh, coming from uh, for student loans because the government has a, a strong vested interest in keeping uh, its population in debt mm-hmm. and... Uh, and, mm, and, and slaves. yeah, I mean, it's it's you know slavery in the United States is alive and well. That's
0: what they're saying, and this yeah. is uh, in relation to weed, locking people up in fucking cages for the choices that they make. Not even just weed, anything, any of that sh- that that you know impact your own self, but also the wages. You know, but I must say we we've, we've made we've made some really great uh, uh, strides as far as
1: um as far as um, uh, racism goes, mm-hmm. um, because the the government no longer discriminates based on race on who who they want to be a slave. They, they don't care if you're black. Sometimes. They don't care if you're white. They don't care if you're uh, L- Latino. They they just want they just want you to be a slave at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I question whether or not that's a conscious effort or if it isn't a conscious effort and it's just a. What do you call it? Like the organic ebb and flow of this system that we have with the diffusion of responsibility because it is so large and how the bureaucracy works. If that makes sense, like this is just—I feel like it's like—it's it, been—it's been
1: so systematic, though, that it's hard to believe that it's by accident or
0: by evolution. Right, how so systematic? Like, well, if you, you have a couple points that you have,
1: yeah. That? So, I mean, if you look at our education system, you know, there was a time. There, there. So, if you look at the evolution of education, where it first started out, uh, the education was the responsible responsibility of the parent, um, and then they be, they they made it a public system. Mm-hmm. And at, at first, people were extremely against it. In fact, they would send uh, police officers to forced parents to send their kids to public schools. Really? Yeah, it was It was extremely... Hmm. They were like, what the hell? Because remember, a public school is run by the state. That is the government educating your children. Period. Hmm. That is what it is. That is a fact. And so, at first, the, the citizens were like, I don't know if I want the government um, ed- educating my kid. That's me. That's my responsibility as a parent. Yeah. You know, to educate them make sure that they know their stuff. And But anyways, they sent the cops out and made, made the kids go to school. And every step has been to basically make your child not use their creativity not to dream big not to go after what they really want to do in life and not to uh, bring the value they could bring to the species as a whole oh. and, and, and it's always, it's always been it's, it's chipping away they just keep chipping away at our humanity
0: and once again that's what I believe that the, during the time that our public school system was being laid out was during the industrial revolution and it was to create someone who would be fulfilled and happy working as a worker within the, you know, a a factory worker and not trying to cause any problem for, you know, the select, the people who own these companies, not trying to pillage because there's also these, I believe that this is merely speculation That when you create an education system, you don't just consider the actual knowledge. You also consider what kind of the morality that you teach them as a society. Because if you, you could either have like the wild things or you could have the the button-ups. And the wild things might try to jack a lot. So we want to make sure that, you know, this is once again speculation, but if you, you got to teach people to be complacent because without complacency, if it was easy for them to be like i believe in myself then this country would would be up in arms a lot because people would be very courageous to do whatever the fuck they want you know what i mean and yeah. fight for whatever the idea so it's keeping them complacent as industrial workers who don't challenge the well and, and the pro-
1: the problem is that, you know our country's going away from you know we don't we don't really have manufacturing jobs no we don't
2: work. and even you know, so, we so, did
1: so well, you know that's that's why you know People gravitate towards these lower-paying jobs, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we need we 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 do need a massive reform, um, uh, especially. And I think if we want to fix our problems, we need to start where the problems are, and that is in school. And I mean. One thing that that I do, and it's a guilty pleasure. It is, it's 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 an absolute guilty pleasure. So I should
0: walk around the street with your pants off. No, no. Ugh. No, I watch
1: <laughs> I watch um, uh, snowflake cringe videos. Oh, gosh! Yeah, I do. No. I know, I know, it's awful. And I watch feminist cringe videos. You're surprised
0: but, by how many people indulge in those kinds yeah, of Yeah,
1: th- but here's why I watch them. Because I'm, I've always been very interested on what makes something happen. Um, in general, if I look at something, I want to know... How it works and why it works. Mm-hmm. And so I see all these things that, you know, when I was a kid that were, it's just they didn't have it. You didn't have um, girls running around saying, oh, I'm a boy now, um, and just making up absurdities and saying things like gender isn't real, that it's a made-up thing.
0: Yeah, of that's kind of silly. There are of course it's real. Biological differences that we all know. Yeah, and and, and
1: there's and look, I'm not saying that hormone therapy can't can't change those. Of course that that's true to a degree. But
0: you know, X Y chromosomes. There's X X chromosome and X Y. Period. That's it. Even if you take, no matter how many hormones you take, you don't change fucking chromosomes. You can't. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong, and I hate you, but I don't. I love you. I love everyone. So,
1: but you, but you see this complete divorcing of common sense. Mm -hmm. You know, this complete and utter lack of basic intellectual or the ability to reason and think. You know, like when it just doesn't make any sense. And then you've got um, you've got these these wild feminists running around, man hating all the time. You've got um, and and, you know they've um, they've evolved from what they once were, which was a a adult group of people seeking to um, have equal rights for all human beings, man, woman are equal, the same. But now it's turned in it's it's disappeared. It's changed from that, and it's just about hate. It's about fueling these these ridiculous conflicts with nobody.
0: But I think Martin Luther King is a really good example of that. And um, Martin Luther King went into it. He wasn't trying to um, make a group equal. He was just trying to find equality. And that was in his, one of his, might have been in his speech or one of his in speeches. <laughs> he, in the way where he didn't want people, he wanted peaceful protests. He didn't want to, uh, what is it? You don't want to inspire or incite violence against the people, the aggressors, because violence begins I'm not saying that every case violence begets violence, but violence begets violence in this situation. (laughs) When you are an asshole, so if you. There's many things I'd have to say about this, but there's. With like a feminist or anything like that, when you are trying to say, like, you're horrible, or even fucking this white privilege shit. When, but when, when you're attacking someone, when you're pushing someone down to be able to create equality, you don't create equality. You create the same oppression. Just flippity fucking flopped. Yeah. But I think there's also something that to take into consideration, and not to detract from the importance of you know what's going on culturally, but. That now with the, the internet, we have uh, like kind of like Reddit, where you upvote really cool shit, and then it's you're gonna always see first really cool shit. Well, the thing that we like to talk about the most is the things that fucking make us angry, the things that we think are crazy as fuck. So if you think about it in Reddit terms, it's gonna get upvoted on the entire internet of social media and everything, even search engine, except Google. I guess tries not to do that. Um, they have algorithms where like you can't put negative, you won't find negative sh- shit suggested. But that's tangential. Um, y- you're gonna hear this feminist calling fucking men p- racist, fucking misogynist pigs, and you're gonna see the videos of the white dude yelling at the other white dude, you white privileged piece of shit. You should feel bad for being white because we talk about those things way more and those you know what i mean it's going to be yeah. highlighted well uh, i'm a
1: am a huge martin uh, martin luther king uh, fan mm-hmm. cuz he didn't he didn't make it about being black he didn't yeah, make, that's it what I mean. make it about
0: being white he, he made it about
1: Fucks equality up. period the end that's what it was about it was about love and and he was he was a phenomenal person, a great that's human, that's human being, and uh, a damn shame he was murdered. Uh, although that th- seems to happen to the people that have the best ideas. Yeah, interesting uh, people always yeah, get fucking yeah, jacked. That's that's pretty standard. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's a damn shame. But you know, at the, in this day and age, um, you know, we should have learned these lessons by now. Um, it kind of it kind of blows my mind that that we haven't learned them. And you know, I think that the action of Donald Trump being elected was a uh, a repulsion of real America, um, rejecting the idea of 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 the feminism, of the hate Pungible. of the of the white privilege, of the of the black oppression, of the idea of being, um, oh, you know, everyone's negative, and you've got all this negative stuff going around. I think I think that was the the real core of America going. You know what? Fuck you. We're done, and we're we're gonna elect this guy because. We're not saying he's good. We're not saying he's bad. But you know, at the end of the day, we're gonna like this guy because he's not gonna perpetuate the hate. Yeah. Um, Because as much as you may say, as much as you like, uh, a lot of people like to say that you know, uh, you know, uh, Trump's a hater and he's racist and all that stuff. There's no real um, actual speeches of words coming out of his mouth where he is actually saying that he hates a specific group of people.
2: In fact, generally, he doesn't really talk about it much at all. Put a lot of hate. (laughs)